It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody. Another edition of Rico Bronia. <laughs> this is just brutal. Oh, my God. June is almost over, and the Mets are putting the exclamation point on one of the worst Junes this franchise has ever had. And that's saying something because a few years ago, they had one of the biggest June swoons you'll ever see. But in 2023, going into the last day of June, where they take on the San Francisco Giants, the New York Mets are 7-18. and 18. The New York Mets lost every series they played in the month of June, with the exception of one, a two-game split against the New York Yankees. That's it. Outside of that, you want to go through all of them? They got swept by Toronto. They got swept by Atlanta. Remember that? That feels like 10 years ago. The Mets were somewhat in the NL East race when they played those three games against Atlanta. They got swept by them. They lost two out of three to Pittsburgh. They had the fart and the wind split against the Yankees. They lost two out of three to the St. Louis Cardinals. They lost two out of three to the Houston Astros. They lost two out of three to the Philadelphia Phillies. And now they've lost three out of four to the Milwaukee Brewers. Here's the good news. I'm going to give everybody a little piece of good news. I don't know if this is good news. We are here forever. Okay, the Rico Bronia is not going to go away when everyone else in the media goes away from talking about this dumpster fire known as the New York Mets. Like, I will, when I'm on the radio, talk less about the New York Mets at some point. Don't hold that against me. It's my job. And there's going to come a point where people aren't going to care about how crappy the Mets are. But I promise you this, the Rico Bronia will be here throughout the entire summer, throughout the entire fall, into this incredible offseason. So do not think for a second that as the Mets dip into irrelevance, that we're going anywhere. We're not. So we will be a therapy session for those diehards that will continue to watch this garbage baseball team every single night. Because you know I will. You know I'll be right there with you. Now, here's what we're going to get to on this edition of the Rico. We will discuss Steve Cohen's press conference from Wednesday. We will discuss the final three games of this series. Uh, We touched on the first game of this series because, remember, we did a drive-home podcast, if you missed it, after that brutal opener. So we'll talk about this series against Milwaukee, the actual baseball. We will discuss the Steve Cohen press conference, and we'll look to the next series coming up, (laughs) in which maybe, maybe they'll turn it all around. But that doesn't seem likely at all. Uh, Let me start with this series. We'll talk about these games, and then we'll get into Steve Cohen. David Peterson on Tuesday night, and it should not be forgotten, because in the midst of all the losing, and in midst of all the guys that we're going to spend time ripping for having disastrous seasons, and in the midst of ripping Buck Showalter for some bizarre managerial moves, David Peterson's call-up was something I was highly critical of. 
was something that most Met fans were highly critical of. And in the first inning, really the first two innings of the game on Tuesday, I thought it was all going to be prophetic that David Peterson was going to come up to the major leagues facing a Brewer team that scores about four runs per game and just struggle and just get bombed and actually add to an ERA that was actually 8.08 coming into Tuesday's game. But we have to all give him credit, especially in that first inning when he's walking back-to-back guys and the Brewers are set up with the bases loaded and one out, no one Miller up, and we all thought the same thing. David Peterson is about to get his ass kicked. We, we hardly knew ye, David. You came back up, and you're about to get pounded by one of the worst offenses in the National League. And he stunningly, stunningly got Owen Miller to ground into a double play. And then he danced through a minor issue in the second inning. And then he pitched a one, two, three, third. And then again in the fourth inning, he puts the first two guys on base. And again, it looks as if David Peterson is about to have a game implode right in front of him. He had a game like that. I think it was against Atlanta earlier this season at City where he was able to get through. I think it was the first four innings and had one bad inning and it did him in. And I thought fourth inning, two on nobody out, David Peterson was going to have that one bad inning. And again, Gets a huge double play, got Luis Urias to run one over, and he gets through the fourth inning with a big strikeout of Brian Anderson, who's a med killer. Gets through the fifth, gets through the sixth. And you look down, and David Peterson gave you six scoreless innings. And David Peterson threw 110 pitches. Buck actually pushed him through that sixth inning, which I loved. It was great to see. See, this entire podcast is not about just ripping every dumb thing Buck Showalter does. It's not about ripping every overrated piece of crap on this Met team. Oh, no. Did I do that again? I apologize. They're playing baseball like crap. All right. Have we made that clear? All right. Great. Good. David Peterson was awesome. So uh, let me throw him the bouquet. The Met offense was awesome on Tuesday night. They beat up Julio Turan, which was stunning, especially Julio Turan has always been a Met killer. Always back in his days with the Atlanta Braves. He was perfect through three. So before Domingo Herman was perfect on Wednesday, I could have sworn Julio Tehran was going to be perfect at City Field. And the Met offense woke up. Brandon Nimmo hit a couple of home runs. Francisco Lindor hit a home run. Daniel Vogelback actually hit a home run. And it was that rare night. We don't get a lot of these. A rare, rare night where the offense was good. The starting pitching was good. The bullpen was whatever. They had a big lead, so doesn't matter that uh, Jeff Brigham looked bad and gave up a couple of runs. It was a rare good night. So, great. And that was all in response to not only Billy Epler having a press conference in which he did not speak like a human being. He talked. I'm not even going to repeat the quotes that he had because he just he doesn't talk like a regular person. Yeah. When when we were listening to Billy's comments on the air, Craig and I, we were just laughing about how he was saying things. Like, you know, the forecast was expected to be uh, exponential. It's like, stop. We suck. Just say it. The pitching's been bad. Just say it. It's all you got to do. Don't have to get too cute. So after Billy Epler talks to the media and Steve Cohen puts out a tweet that he's going to talk to the media, the Mets respond by winning a nice, neat, and tidy baseball game 7-2. to two. I told this story very quickly on the air. 
so I won't spend too much time on it here. But I actually watched this game at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was really strange. I got home, and I guess it was a combination of just being so bothered by all the losing. But I was also really tired. I wasn't feeling great for whatever reason. And I said to my wife, I'm going right to sleep. And she was confused. Like, really? You're going to go right to sleep? I said, yeah. I'll wake up at some point. I will definitely watch every pitch of the Met game. I'll score it. I'll do all my weird, losery things. But I'm not doing it now. And I went to bed, and Hoff, I slept like a baby for six and a half hours. And it was great. It was spectacular. And when I woke up at, it was after two. It may have been like later than that because I started texting people at four o'clock in the morning. So I think I finished the game in the fours. Um, it was great. I watched the Met game at two o'clock in the morning. I had no idea. I saw them win. And it's actually a, a trick that I think we may have to use in the future. Because if they had lost, like some kind of brutal game, which they would do the next two nights, I didn't have to go back to sleep angry. It would just be, okay, they lost. Let me try to move on with my day and do something else, as opposed to going to sleep angry. So I had a great experience watching the Mets at 2.30 in the morning, Pete. See, I I, I don't know, man. Like the other day, I, I worked a late night shift. I went home and I slept and I, I woke up as the Mets were blowing a game. And that just set my whole day wrong. Ah, so, so you think it could set a bad tone by doing what I did? Oh for man, the next it ruined, day, yeah, it ruined it ruined my day. I went to a party right after, and I'm like, my whole party was ruined. I just I I barely <laughs> talked to my wife, which is probably not that's probably my fault, not anybody else's. But yeah, like no, it was it was just despicable. So listen, if it works for you, it's a good strategy. I don't know how to say this, Ev. The Mets losing really dictates how my days go. No, dude, I feel you, man. I, I've gotten better with this where there was a time in my life where the Mets losing would just screw me up completely. I've done a better job of realizing I, I have to move on. I've got two kids and I have a wife. I can't really let this ruin my life. I have to have greater perspective that it's just sports and it's entertainment. So I feel like in 2023, I'm in a healthier place than I was in, say, 2009. In 2009, I wasn't married. I was dating at the time. But when Luis Castillo dropped the pop-up, I was at Yankee Stadium with a guy who's friends with you and I, my good friend Chad, and he took me to the game. Like, Chad, it was his effing tickets, and he took me to the game. And I'll never forget every moment about that. As Castillo is trying to stare down A-Rod's pop-up, Chad is congratulating me. I'm hitting his hand away saying he's in trouble. He's in trouble. He's in trouble. And then Luis obviously drops the pop-up. We all know what happens. I turn to him, comatose, and say, I'm not driving you home. <laughs> and like, he handled it very well that night. But I do think deep down he's pretty pissed at me. Like, are you kidding me? I took you to the game. You were going to drive me home, and now you're not driving me home because you're pissed off about the result? And I always felt bad about that. And I've apologized to him many times, including oh, wait, on the really, radio. You really didn't drive him home? I didn't drive him home. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. I know. Oh, dude, bro, I acknowledge that. But that's, that's an example of how the Mets really did run my life more so than they do now. Like now, yeah, I'm annoyed. You know, I... We're recording this right after they lost the series, right after game four. I took my son to the game. I took Jet to the game. I didn't 
stopped talking to him on the car ride home, I actually had a good chat with him. And I think this is very, very important. And maybe this is me looking for the positives in what is one of the most awful seasons in the history of the Mets. I said to him, I said, Jed, I want you to understand something. The Mets are a lot like life. Things do not come easy. They don't. And last year, your first like real year from start to finish of understanding the Mets, of watching some games, of scoring some games, it came too easy. 101 wins is not normal. Not for the teams we root for. And remember, the other sport he's really into, because football, he's had a tough time understanding. Football, I think, is a more complicated game for a five and six, seven-year-old. He loves basketball. And, oh, Kevin Durant. Ooh, Kyrie Irving. It looked like it was going to come easy. And we all know what happened there. I'm not going to do a podcast on the Nets, but you know what imploded. And he learned very early on that didn't come easy, and now things are bad or things aren't, you know, great. And he's learning that about the Mets. And I said it to him in the car tonight, Thursday night, whenever you're listening to this. I said, no matter how bad this gets, you have to understand something, Jed. I've seen worse. And I'm still a Met fan. Are you still going to be a Met fan? And he said, yeah. I said, this may get way worse. We may start trading players. Remember that whole trading Kevin Durant thing? He's like, yeah. I said, but you know what? We never rooted for Kevin Durant. We rooted for the Nets. We're not rooting for name the player. We're rooting for the Mets. And many years from now, every goddamn guy who's on the roster right now, I didn't say goddamn, every goddamn guy, I'm saying it for the podcast, they're going to be gone. They ain't going to be on the team. Will you still be a Mets fan? And he said, yeah. So he's learning a lesson. Let us all learn a lesson. This is not going to come easy. Now, for Pete, who's in his 40s, for me, who's about to turn 40, we're due. For Sal Licata, we're due. But for our youngins, nah. They got to learn the hard way. They got to watch bad, crappy baseball. So, yeah, it sucks for me. It sucks for you. It sucks for most people listening. But for the six-year-old, for the seven-year-old, for the three-year-old, for the nine-year-old, yeah. Yeah, losing's a big part of being a sports fan, man. But but my question to you is this, and here's the the issue that I struggle with. First of all, and you do know this. My whole family in my household, there's there's five of us. Four of them are all Yankee fans. Like everybody else is a Yankee fan, so I'm in this by myself in this household. So it sucks. I everyone's like, why don't you try to convince them to be Mets fans? Why do I want them to suffer this with me? Because if they win, when they win, it'll be that much sweeter. That's why you're look. You're in a much di- you're in a difficult spot because I own the household when it comes to sports fandom, and my wife knows it. That <laughs> even though my father in law is a Yankee fan and is a Giant fan and is a Nick fan, my wife knows there are other things I will follow suit on. But when it comes to the teams that the family roots for, I'm at least gonna try to place them in the right direction. You know, if if uh, Spence wakes up and says, I'm going to root for the Minnesota Vikings, what the hell am I going to do? I'm going to try. I'm going to root for the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to try to guide them back, but I'll never force my kids, but I will have the, I guess, the, uh, the influencer, if you will. You're in a different spot because you got a household of Yankee fans and the youngin sees that and says, I'm going to root for the Yankees. Oh, they had a perfect game on a Wednesday night. This seems like fun. 
They're in the playoffs every year. This is great. So your situation is much more difficult. I I, I acknowledge that. That ain't easy. No, it's that not. Especially, especially when we go to what I do take them, because I'm still a good dad. I do take them to Mets games, but I take them to plenty of Yankee games. And every time we go, and when Aaron Judge plays, he obviously is hurt right now. But when he does play, he always hits a home run. No, nah. it's it's, ama- it's, a, it's I, amazing. So it's whatever. Let's, let's I get it. Let's go back to it. the depressing Mets. Jesus, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> How many Mets fans after the Tuesday win thought to themselves, "Okay, now it's turning around." Okay, now. David Peterson won a game. The Mets hit a bunch of home runs. Kodai Senga's on the mound. Steve Cohen's about to meet the media. Everything's going to turn around and look great. And it's funny. Cohen meets the media on Wednesday, and we'll get to what he said coming up. And the immediate response was to be down 2-0. That, that's, that's what made me laugh. The immediate response, not that Kodai Senga hates Steve Cohen. I think Jesse Winker just hates all of us. Because Jesse Winker is like a mini Met killer, and he's the one that got the big two-out, two-run double in the first inning to put the Brewers immediately up 2 nothing. Now, the Mets did fight back, which we know make Buck Showalter very proud. Tommy Pham in a home run. They got the bases loaded walk by Francisco Alvarez. But that fourth inning, that fourth inning, and we saw a little bit of that in Game 4 of this series as well, but the fourth inning of Game 3 is just exactly what kills the New York Mets and has killed this Mets team all year long. They've scored four and a half runs per game, which is a very average number. They are middle of the pack offensively, but it feels like there have been so many situations like what we saw in game three, where they are set up for a big inning. They are set up to break a game open and they come up so small. They are down two to one. They have the bases loaded and nobody out And Francisco Alvarez has a great at-bat for a guy that's in a massive batting slump. He had a really patient at-bat against Wade Miley, and he laid off some very close pitches and drew a bases-loaded walk. And the Mets had tied the game at two. And Wade Miley, who throws strikes mostly, walked three guys in the inning. The bases are loaded and nobody out. And the Mets have Beatty, Canna, and Mendick coming up. And I thought this in the moment, and I was, I did not watch this game at three o'clock in the morning. I was probably about a half hour behind. I went back to my old ways. I got home. I kissed my wife. I said, ah, I'm going to start the Met game. And so I started the game after getting back from work, half hour late, whatever it is. And I said to myself in this moment, because I can't tweet, God forbid I tweet an hour. What, what the hell am I tweeting? The results are already in from that inning. So it's more me thinking to myself. And you have to trust I actually thought this. But I thought to myself, self, if they don't break the game open, forget take the lead, forget take the lead. If they don't break the game open right now, they're going to lose this game. Because again, remember where we are. It's the fourth inning. Kodai Senga has thrown a million pitches and more on him in a second. Kodai Senga is not long for the world, which means the Mets are going to be going to their bullpen relatively early. It is right now a 2-2 game in the fourth. If they don't end this inning up 5-2 at least, 5-2, not 3-2, not 4-5-2, we're after and we're not going to win. Brett Beatty, who's done a fair job against lefties, remember he had the double against Miley one inning earlier, strikes out looking with the bases loaded. And then Mark Canna on a 2-2 pitch. It's a ball that off the bat 
I'm thinking sneaking through it for a base hit, and it's gobbled up by Brian Anderson, and they turn the most awkward-looking 5-4-3 double play you'll ever see. And as that happens, and yes, it's 2-2, it's only the fifth inning, you're at home, they still have a shot, we all knew the result. We all knew it was so freaking over. Dunzo. Kaput. See you later. And that is a depressing feeling, but it's happened a lot. Like how many times, and not to jump ahead to game four, but it was the same thing in game four. Like you have these golden opportunities. If you don't take advantage of it, it seems like that's their one shot. And so Canna grounds into a double play. They don't score with the bases loaded, nobody out. And Kodai Senga gives you one more inning because that's all he was going to be able to give you. And look, Kodai Senga has not had a bad year. He has not had a great year. I'd say he's had an okay season. We all know his issues. We all know the problem. He walks way too many guys. He only walked two guys uh, the other night. But he has led the league in walks. So he puts way too many guys on base. He throws a million pitches. His performance on Wednesday, the only reason I'd say it was better than okay was because it was only his second start on regular rest. So if you're looking for a step in the positive direction was he made a start on regular rest and he didn't get bombed like he did in his other start on regular rest. And he got through a very shaky first inning, but he just throws a million pitches. And what makes that very troublesome is that this is a not a good bullpen and it's a bullpen that gets used a lot. So Kodai Senga, who has, again, not had a bad year. He's got a three and a half ERA. He's thrown 82 innings, so he's on pace to give you about 165, 170 innings. He's made just about every start, even though they've finagled his days and pushed him back. He has showed a lot of balls. I'll give him that. He shows guts. He can make the big pitch when he needs to. But it's frustrating because they need more. This rotation needs more. So he's only able to go five, mainly because his pitch count's ballooning up at such a high level. So it's a 2-2 game. He hands the ball to the bullpen, and look what happens. Grant Hartwig comes in. He had looked good so far in his brief time up here, and he immediately gives up that leadoff double to Owen Miller. And then two batters later, he's given up the base hit to Blake Perkins, and I think we all had the same feeling, very similar to what happened on Monday when Joey Weimer hit the home run. That's it. That's it. The bullpen gave up a run, and that's one too many. And we're done. And the Mets would get a base runner every inning against that Brewer bullpen, but they were never able to put anything together. They were never able to get that same opportunity they got in the fourth inning when they had the bases loaded. Pete Alonso has been very, very quiet. Francisco Lindor's actually been very good, even though he's been quiet the last couple of games, actually been hot since his daughter was born. Starling Marte's back to being a mess, and Buck Showalter's kept him in the two-hole. And the offense, which again, has been average. That's what the offense has been this year. Their pitching has been bad. Their offense has been average. Not saying it's good enough, but with capable pitching, the offense wins you a few more games than they have. Because think about all the losses they've had when they've scored six runs. But over the last two games of this series, the offense did not do enough. You score two runs in the first four innings against Wade Miley. You had the bases loaded, nobody out. You get to the Brewer bullpen right after that because Miley's pulled. And one tiny, itsy-bitsy mistake to Blake Perkins is basically the game. Look, we can get nuts about the eighth inning and what happened in the eighth inning. 
with Adam Ottavino coming in with one out and nobody on and just crapping all over himself, giving up the double to Brian Anderson, the walk to Blake Perkins, which was the killer, and then hitting Joey Weimer to set up the Christian Yelich two-run single. And we can get nuts about the non-check swing, check swing from Joey Weimer that eventually got Buck thrown out of the game. But here's the sad reality. None of it mattered because they couldn't score a goddamn run. None of it mattered. Yeah, it was frustrating when Yelich got that two-run single. And yes, I'm screaming, hey, Jeff, can you at least knock that ball down? Or hey, Jeff, can you make a stellar defensive play and bail out Avino out? And yes, hey, Ron Culpa, it's clear that Joey Weimer swung at that pitch and it wasn't a hit batsman. And yes, it changes the inning. And yes, those two runs shouldn't have scored. I'll be the first to tell you. But they're down 3-2 in the bottom of the eighth instead of down 5-2. Does any, to quote Hillary Clinton, what difference would it have made? What context? What was that about? Oh, that was Benghazi. I shouldn't, you know, I don't want to joke about that. But she did say that. She said, what difference does it make? Well, in this case, what difference does it make? They're down 3-2 in the eighth inning against Joel Piamps. They ain't scoring. They're down 3-2 in the ninth to Devin Williams. He isn't going to even break a sweat. So, yeah, I was frustrated by that eighth inning. I don't want to act like I wasn't because in the moment, I want the game to be a one-run game. But this offense was limp. 